0: let's hear a quick word from one of our supporters, Chaplain Andy. Hi, this is Chaplain Andy. Here at After Hours, we like to draw strength from those who have gone before us and live through hard times. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 says, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I... I am the Lord your God. Now back to After Hours. This is Chaplain Andy out. Thank you, Chaplain Andy. Those are some very good words, and that segues into today's topic. So I recently was able to interview Dr. Brian Artis. Now, Dr. Brian Artis is a chiropractic doctor that is in retirement. He has some interesting perspectives on the whole COVID Outbreak, And some of these perspectives are going to potentially shake your thoughts and your belief system to the bone. So I want to get us in a place where we're prepared for, to do that. So let's talk about some other things that have shaken the world up. There's a time in medicine where doctors did not believe washing your hands would do anything. There'd be a time when a doctor would go do a surgery go perform an autopsy on someone that died of an infectious disease and then they would go and deliver a baby and they were shocked when the baby would get an infection and then die and then there was a man this man's name was Ingez Semenweis and prior to this no one understood that the simple act of washing your hands would prevent germs from spreading When he first brought this idea to the medical community, he was thought to be crazy. People removed him from the medical community. But then sometime later, people began to understand that this was right, this was true, that there are microbes that are on our hands. And when we actually wash our hands with soap and water, we can decrease mortality. In a similar manner also, when Einstein developed the theory of relativity and the special theory of relativity, he was laughed out of the science community, because people thought that that's crazy, that can't be true, that light, that time and space bend. But now it seems to be the most prevalent theory, and there are some other theories that have come past that. We won't get into those today. Another example. So in my generation, there's this theory out there or this belief that six to about 20% of Americans believe that we never landed on the moon. No, I'm not saying we did or we didn't. I think we did. And I can't ever imagine us not landing on the moon. That's a bridge too far for me. So I don't even really entertain that idea because again that's a bridge too far for my mind to comprehend at this time are those people right are those people wrong? I don't know I'm honestly telling you I wish I had the mental and academic honesty to look into that a little bit more but that's not something that's too relevant to me and doesn't bother me too much however the next things that you're going to be hearing during this interview could affect your belief system. Well, how do I know if this is affecting my belief system? If you notice that you're becoming angry and you have an emotional response, then that's something that should be observed and noticed. There are many doctors that I greatly respect for their work in the COVID field and their work that they've done for many years. But many of their critiques seem to be motivated in emotion rather than in academic honesty. This is not to undercut or discredit any of those doctors. Again, I hold many of them in high respect, but I understand that this theory that you're about to hear may be a bridge too far for them to even begin to contemplate. And when you hear something that tramples on your belief system, it's really easy to, to have that emotional response rather than to understand many of the critiques that I've heard of this particular theory they'll focus on one particular issue and then debunk that small issue for instance well this couldn't be snake venom poisoning because a snake bite does XYZ yes a snake bite might do that but what does oral ingestion of snake venom do is it different it likely is different Are those symptoms similar to what Dr. Artis is talking about? And so to come back to those doctors that have made critiques of Dr. Artis and his theory, I don't hold that against them, and I don't think you should either. But I think we need to look at when someone has an emotional response rather than an academic response, that they may have come to a place, a bridge too far, so to speak, where they cannot cross, where they're not able to. And and that's okay. Let's not get mad at them. Let's not call them any names or anything like that. Let's not do any of those things because perhaps they're not at that place yet where they can even comprehend that maybe everything has been wrong when it comes to this whole viral thing and maybe it hasn't been a virus. And again, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying that this theory is correct. I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows. I will say that I think this theory makes more sense, because when in human history have we ever had a virus that is described as causing loss of taste and smell? I've never heard of one. I've asked many doctor friends. They've never heard of that. I always thought that that is the strangest symptom. And before November of last year, I've never experienced that, so I didn't, you know, I thought, well, maybe, you know, when you have a cold, you can't smell. Well, that's because your nose is plugged up, you can still smell and taste. When I got this in November, I stuck my head in a bucket of folgers. Coffee, ground coffee. Couldn't smell a thing. I had a whole tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. I felt some mild tingling in the back of my throat. I tasted nothing. The loss of taste is striking. The loss of the loss of smell is a striking experience that's like nothing else in this world. And so that should make us think, well, okay. It's interesting. What can bring all of these symptoms and these things together? And Thomas Jefferson had told, I believe it was his nephew, in a letter. And he said, question everything with boldness, even the very existence of God. For if there is a God, he would prefer honest questioning to blind faith. And I believe that is true. I think that's true today as it was when Thomas Jefferson said it. And I I want you to, if you're going to listen to this, and the reason I say that is if, if you don't think that your mind can comprehend or if it's not ready to cross that bridge into uncharted territory, then go ahead and hit pause and please come back to this message at a time when you feel that your brain is able to to honestly look at these. And if you at any point start becoming angry, pay attention to that. Observe that emotional response. Why are you having that emotional response? In fact. Go ahead and hit pause and come back to this podcast when you're able to listen to it without the anger. Because again, once that anger sets in, that's telling me that this theory is likely stepping on a deeply held belief and changing your worldview. And if it's going against your deeply held belief, then you're going to stop listening. and You're going to only be looking for things to discount it. Because not every little thing may be right in this and not every little thing may be wrong. There are many conspiracy, quote, conspiracy theories out there where there's a shred of truth, but it's debunked for a different reason. i give you an example of one time when I first understood that idea of a shred of truth. I had a man in Alaska that would deliver wood. And he started talking to me and he said, oh, there's huge underground FEMA camps in Alaska. You know, they could put the entire population in these underground FEMA camps. And I was thinking, man, that's not, that's not right. And then at some point during my time in Alaska, I was able to go to some bases and you can look this up. This is open source information, but there are some, some bases where we have had significant underground work projects to put things in the ground to keep them safe so that they could be quickly deployed in various situations. And if you didn't understand that part, that this is offense defense type underground project, it would easy it would be very easy to come to the conclusion that they're building underground FEMA camps. Because maybe you hear half the story and you're thinking of something else, but you don't hear the whole truth. And so I can easily see how this man came to the idea that there's huge underground FEMA camps. Well There was huge underground work projects, but they weren't FEMA camps. They're something else. They're for defense and offense. And I'll tell you, when I first started learning about the carnivore diet, I was, I was literally in a daze, walking around with a cloud around my head, confused for about a month and a half. Because the ideas that I learned from various doctors, like Dr. Ken Berry, Dr. Sean Baker, Dr. Paul Saladino, they they changed everything in my mind, and, and I was trying to justify what they were showing me, the truth they were showing me, what I could observe with my own eyes, and the things that I was told growing up, and, you know, in medical school, in residency, things like the food pyramid, and how you need to eat X amount of grams of fiber a day and so much carbs per day and all this other stuff and I was trying to justify those and so I put in that hard work and it it was like everything in my world was turned on its head just the diet alone but after I did my research and I used my observational skills then I learned that yes this diet is right and the benefit was I had two patients completely control their diabetes and come off of all of their diabetic medications. I had two patients with rheumatoid arthritis have all of their symptoms go away and able to stop all of their medications for rheumatoid arthritis. And so it's hard to honestly look at something, but that exact moment that you start feeling anger, when you're listening to this, please hit pause and come back to it when you're able to honestly ask the question is he right or is he wrong and again it may not be the right delivery system it may not be in the water it may be a different delivery system and he's not making the claim that see one claim i've heard is that the proteins and the peptides in snake venom doesn't look anything like a spike protein so it can't act like a spike protein well that may all be true but that's not what he's saying like, we think that spike proteins cause the problem. We know they're pathologic. But we, but they can both be true. You can be harmed by snake venom ingestion and still be harmed by spike protein. And they can be different injuries. And so what I'm trying to say is this may be a very challenging idea to comprehend. And if you feel yourself becoming angered, I, I, I ask you to please hit pause and come back at another time, when you're able to not be so emotionally invested, because I understand that is a real thing, because it's it, it might be trampling on your, on your core belief system. And once you've done that, you, you know that your core belief system is being changed and stepped on, you're not going to be able to think about what's being said. So with all of that, let's go ahead and go into this interview. morning. Can you hear me?
1: I can. How are you, buddy?
0: Doing great. Thanks for coming on.
1: You're very welcome. How are you?
0: Doing pretty good. Yeah, like this?
1: Sorry, I was wrapping up another interview with somebody else. So after hours podcast, baby. That's awesome. (laughs) I love the snake wrapping around the pole. That's amazing.
0: When God told Moses to wrap a snake around a staff and whoever... Got exactly right. with it.
1: Yep. I just love it. Looks very cool.
0: Thank you. Well, let's welcome Dr. Artis onto the program. If you haven't heard, Dr. Artis has been recently involved in quite a bit of controversy, which it seems that science should not be controversial, but as as the past two years, we've learned that anytime you're actually on, on a hot trail, there's a lot of controversy. And so, um, Dr. Artis, you've recently came out with a couple interviews where you've talked about some interesting topics where you don't think it's a virus and you have a postulation or a theory, which seems very plausible in what I've seen, just anecdotally what I've seen as a, as a man who lives in town and as a physician, it seems that what you're saying is completely accurate. But for those who haven't heard, can you give us a quick rundown?
1: Sure. Yeah. So I have been on the forefront over the last two years since May Stop hammering away at a warning to the world that there's a drug called remdesivir uh, that actually causes multiple organ failure, kidney failure. And this was the only drug Anthony Fauci was selecting to treat all COVID-19 patients. I have been the world digitally warning the whole world about this drug, that it's being used as a part of a death cocktail in hospitals and to avoid them like the plague. And I have been instrumental, supposedly, the world has responded, uh, in helping to keep people out of hospitals, uh, which is great. Lots of people around the world tell me, thousands of people every week tell me that I was instrumental in helping to save their loved ones' lives. Uh, and that has been awesome. I'm a retired chiropractor. And what's weird about this is I'm actually called the remdesivir guy almost everywhere I go. <laughs> which, and I'm like, well, I don't even like the drug. So thanks. You can call me remdesivir guy. But what happened was amidst all of this, I I actually created a supplement. I call it Doc's Viral Defense, and I released it like in November or October of last year. So when you're talking about the fact that I'm saying right now that I'm not even certain it's a virus, really, it's not that I wasn't caught up in the. Idea that this might be a respiratory virus, and there might be some truth being told us in research studies about gain of function testing and spike proteins being added to a coronavirus, which is actually a common cold virus for most. Right. I've, I've talked for years now, right? Um, and there's early treatment, was really the whole thing I always talked about. There's things you can use that handle the common cold, they'll handle this coronavirus. You don't have to be scared. However, something happened though. As people were interviewing me all over the place, as an expert in COVID, come on, for example, at the end of November, I was asked by Kate Daly, who was co-hosting for Alex Jones on InfoWars, and we had done several interviews on her podcast, and she was very excited to talk to me, and she wanted me to come on InfoWars and talk about monoclonal antibodies and my thoughts about it, so I did, and I don't want to spend too much time on that, but I actually just told people I didn't like them. I just want you to know that I was on InfoWars. I did an interview on monoclonal antibodies. I, I didn't really give a positive spin, even though I wasn't really negative. I just said, I got these six research studies on monoclonal antibodies. It actually states that these monoclonal antibodies are derived from cancer cells of the spleens of pigs. And I just said, I don't know why I would want to use this in anything, like for early treatment of anything. Right. I said, when we have 99.9% of all people survive anyway, why why are we going to inject you with something that might have long-term effects when, We have things that we can trust like budesonide, corticosteroids, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin. That was my message. Well, this message about this interview got to a guy named Dr. Richard Bartlett, who's an MDER physician in Odessa, Texas. And this guy is the guy who was inspired and brought to the world the knowledge that nebulized budesonide can be a lifesaver. Oxford did two studies, backed up his claims, which is phenomenal, that budesonide works. In fact, there's a website called Budesonide Works based on all of his stuff. And I, so,
0: I, I prescribed Budesonide because of Dr. Bartlett.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. So Dr. Bartlett is the one that was being told about my interview on InfoWars. Without my knowledge, people were just reaching out to him going, hey, uh, you know, Dr. Artis. Dr. Artis was just badmouthing monoclonal antibodies. Now, what was amazing was Dr. Bartlett, Dr. Bartlett who I love and admire and revere consider a dear trusted friend. In fact, I turned to him to help my 94 year old grandmother who had COVID and he helped save my grandmother's life. This is the guy that guy did not go into the, into the media. He didn't go on info wars with Alex Jones and badmouth Dr. Artis. He didn't say he's a chiropractor, blah, blah. Don't trust him. No, he went like this. He, he went just like this. I'm going to send Dr. Artis a text and he's going to figure it out all on his own. Cause he knows me, he knows how my brain works. And he knew there's something about monoclonal antibodies that he sees working in his monoclonal antibody infusion center in Odessa, zero fatalities, no acute kidney failure, no multiple organ failure for four months at that point. So he sends me a text and I thought it was just super random, but he sent a text and it said, Hey, Dr. Artis, if you got bit by a rattlesnake, would you go to a hospital and get antivenom? Dr. Bartlett knew he didn't have to trash my reputation <laughs> try to diffuse my claims. He knew all, he just knew I didn't know something about monoclonal antibodies and what he was making sure I got, because he knew I'd look into it was all I got to do is send Dr. Artis this text and he's going to go look on his own to see what antivenom is. And when he learns that a lot of antivenoms are monoclonal antibodies, he's going to go just like this because he knows me. I would go just like this. Oh crap. I was wrong about monoclonal antibodies. If I, Dr. Brian Artis, was in a life-threatening situation and got bit by a rattlesnake, I, too, would trust monoclonal antibodies to save my life, which is exactly what patients who are now terrified around the world with COVID-19 that they are going to die are coming to him for monoclonal antibodies to save their lives. And I went just like this, oh, man, I was wrong. Dr. Bartlett, thank you. I got it. I didn't even respond to him because what it did to me was the next, the next three months, it put me in this hurricane of discovery because it went just like this, uh, Dr. Bartlett. Now, the truth is, the reason why I didn't respond to him is because I'd already seen him since he sent the text. I just didn't see the text. So after I'd already seen him and we already visited and talked, uh, which he did not say anything about rattlesnake venom, I realized I missed this text. It wasn't until like December 18th when I saw the text, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, uh, I guess I don't need to respond now. I've already seen him. So I was like this. This is so random. What does he know about anti-venom? I don't know. Oh, crap. Monoclonal antibodies I would trust. And then the very next thought was, wait a minute. Why do monoclonal antibodies work against COVID if COVID is a virus? And these anti-venoms work towards venom. And then it went just like this. And Richard Bartlett calls me every day. Every day he calls me since the documentary going out. And he goes, Dr. Artist, keep your chin up. You're doing great. The world knows you're right. And watch all the MDs out themselves. Like, as they're bad-mouthing you, just watch. You'll yeah. see who's on your side, who's not. And You'll and I, see who's on the side of saving lives. You'll see. Just I, watch.
0: And I think what you did there was incredible on multiple levels. So, you know, I, I like the whole doctoring thing, but I also like life wisdom. And what you did was incredible. I mean, you're you're a, you're a doctor. It, and, you know, with if no one – for the listener, if you're not a doctor – you don't understand that, uh, or you may not understand, well, if you've ever met a neurosurgeon or a cardiac surgeon, then you know. Um, they give us this, this very large complex, and it's very difficult to go, man, I was wrong. So for Dr. Artist to say, I was wrong, and to have that introspection, and to, to change his view is what we need in America. The world would be a completely different place if we could look at ourselves and go, I was wrong here. Let me make it right. Let me learn and then make it right. And so I really want to congratulate you on that and the example that you're leading just by doing that itself.
1: Yeah, I've been very open to the fact that I could be wrong about all kinds of stuff. I remember having my first like three kids. (laughs) Do you know what I did? I remember going like this. I got three kids that are like younger than four. And I remember doing this one day. Man, I don't even know what I'm doing. I need to go do a parenting class. <laughs> I'm going to go do a 16 week course to learn how to be a parent. Cause I don't know what in the world I'm doing here. And I knew I realized and learned a whole bunch of stuff. I was like, if you're going to look at right and wrong, that would have appeared to have been wrong. And I was like, Oh, well let's just see if we can do this. Great. I've learned. I don't know everything and that's fine. I'm just trying to save lives. And I will tell you there's something else. I was very much wrong about before I learned about monoclonal antibodies. I'm not kidding. I actually was furious when my father-in-law was killed in a hospital in February 2020, and I had zero trust for the medical profession. So when I went into the media, when I learned about Anthony Fauci's remdesivir protocol, you should listen to those first interviews. I was like, do not trust the medical profession. Do not trust hospitals. Do not trust any medical doctors. Like, do not go there. You stay home, take your vitamin C, take D, take zinc, blah, blah. That was me, the chiropractor
0: Eat your meat, yeah.
1: Yeah, do not do that stuff. And if you want to intravenously, go get a mobile unit to come to your house and do it. They'll save your life, right? This is how I was. Imagine my shock when medical doctors started calling me, asking me to join their groups, like to support COVID, like Ben Marble of MyFreeDoctor.com. He calls me and he's like, I need you to be a leader in my group. And I'm like, what is your group? And he said, it's myfreedoctor.com. We have 25 medical doctors, 17 Nobel Peace Prize nominated MDs. And I went like this. And you want me? Yeah. He goes, do you prescribe drugs? And I said, I'm a chiropractor. And he goes, oh, good. We don't want you to prescribe drugs. We just want you to champion for us. And you know what he said on the phone, this Nobel Peace Prize nominated MD I'd never met before? On the phone, he says... I've seen your interviews about remdesivir in the hospital protocols. This is what he said. I have never even heard an MD speak on how the human body works more clearly or articulated clearly as you do. And we need you in the media to champion for early treatment. And, and it took me like four days to go, do I want to do this? I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I didn't want to look at his stuff. I didn't want to talk to him. Four days later, my wife goes, hey, honey, did you ever look at that medical doctor's stuff? And I went like this. Maybe I'll go look at his website. This is not a joke. Four days later, I was like, I'm going to look at his website. Imagine my shock. I didn't know anything about his company. Imagine my shock when I'm scrolling through the 25 doctors in his group and it's Harvey Reich, (laughs) Peter McCullough, Zev Zelenko, uh, Ben Marble. And I'm like, you want me in this group?
0: These are giants in case you haven't heard those names. Those are all giants in this field.
1: And then Ben Marble did, did something I couldn't believe. I called him back and I was like, look, I just went through the list of people that are on your group. I said, uh, I actually know who most of them are. If you want me to just champion for early treatment for COVID-19 patients, I'll do it. Uh, so he goes, great, because we're going to have our first Zoom call this Thursday, like as a group. And I went like this. Okay, he goes, and I want you to lead the meeting. Will you conduct the meeting? And I was like, <laughs> uh, you want me to lead the meeting? He goes, yeah. He goes, Peter McCullough will be on there. Harvey Reese will be on there. Everybody's on there. And I was like, Okay. So Thursday morning I get on, log on, and sure enough, Dr. Ben Marble turns the meeting over to me and I start the whole thing, conduct it all. I thank everyone on there for being a part of this. And I have to say, I love Dr. Pierre. I love Dr. Peter McCullough. I love Ryan Cole. I love uh Harvey Reisch. and I love uh Zeb Zelenko. I love them because they cared about human beings and not hurting them. So when I say I was wrong, I was wrong about monoclonal antibodies. I was also wrong that I couldn't trust anybody in the medical profession. Like, this is how I felt. And I was like, okay, well, actually, there is some I can trust. And there have been some phenomenal MDs. I love Carla Dean Graves. I love her. Deb Big Leon, I love her. I mean, there's tons of them. Ryan Cole, I've come to admire as a dear friend, if you haven't heard and of I, Dr. Elizabeth
0: Leavellit, she is amazing, and she's and Dr. Elizabeth
1: Leavellit is phenomenal. And these people continue to ask me to be a part of their groups, and I've loved it. But I didn't know anything about monoclonal antibodies, and I was wrong. I thought I knew, <laughs> so I accepted the fact that I'm not right on that, and that's okay. I'm yeah. just trying to do the best I can.
0: When I think, <laughs> like one of the things that you're you're kind of dancing around. Um, so I'm a DO, Doctor of Osteopathy, not an MD. Um, but even as, an, as a D.O., I still have the big complex that I'm I'm, I'm working through it. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> Hi, I'm Sam Sigloff, and I have a complex. <laughs> You're working through it. <laughs> um, but previously, I, you know, actually, I think at the beginning of this, I may have seen a video by someone, and it may have unfortunately been you, uh, and I went, oh, this is great information. Then I went, oh, he's a chiropractor. <laughs> but then I, I sat there and kept watching. I'm like, wait a second. Stop. Stop, Sam. Stop he he knows his stuff and i think we're at the point in in the world now because so often people get discounted because oh they're not a sub sub specialist in that particular field but they know it they know it better than the sub specialist and and we get in this mindset oh well he didn't go to harvard for that particular you know a left-hand surgeon and so he can't do surgery on my right hand well no when someone is well educated and they spend hundreds of hours studying a particular subject, they may be better than those people that have PhDs, MDs, DOs, DCs, whatever the degree is. And as a world, we need to recognize that.
1: I mean, uh, you have to understand too that I had retired from practice. I sold my second practice in 2018. The only reason this guy knew about remdesivir was because I was at home and took the time to look at the hyperlinks Anthony Fauci had in his memo on NIH about remdesivir. He said it was safe and effective against Ebola virus in this study, and I just clicked it. And I happened to be at home, not overrun with patients in my practice or hospital ER trying to save their lives. I was at home going like this. I don't know anything about this drug. He says it's safe and effective. Oh, my God, it killed 53% of everybody in the Ebola trial. It didn't even make it halfway through the trial because the safety board said it was the least effective and the most dangerous. This guy's lying and nobody knows it. That's well, he, all it was. He even yeah, openly
0: lied to. Um, was it uh, Rand Paul? Rand Paul too. Yeah. I mean, lied in when Congress.
1: Emails. Yeah. And gain a function testing. Yeah.
0: And, but easy. nobody cares.
1: Nobody cares. So I just want you. To know, I'm okay with being wrong. I'm not wrong about this.
0: No, you're not. And you're and I want to apologize years. to you for my preconceived notions, even though you never knew it till now. Um, it's, it's but really I. Okay. I have opened my mind and. And through that, I mean, I've I've learned so much. I've I've like this past summer, I heard of um, uh, ivermectin, and you recently did a podcast on ivermectin, and I'd like to talk a little about that that um, Malaysian study that you talked about.
1: Yes, you saw that. That's funny. I've been off on all kinds of tangents since then, obviously. But this Malaysian study was phenomenal. Like, I could not believe the blatant lies they were publishing in the media about this study. There was two they said that this was this Malaysian study done on ivermectin. They said that it proved ivermectin was ineffective at COVID nineteen and preventing COVID and hospitalization and death. Do you know it was only proven in the study if you go look at the research to reduce hospitalizations and death compared to the control group? Which is exactly what we want. It's in the study. If you just went and read it, it's in there. Uh, But that's not what they were looking at. They were looking at this five-day window of time where you're giving ivermectin in COVID-19 patients and control groups. And I don't know what I can't even really remember the measurements they were looking at. They were just looking at the effectiveness of the severity of the illness in the first five days. However, ivermectin outperformed the standard of care, which was nothing. (laughs) They didn't do anything. It was nothing. Just observing the other group who had COVID. When they used ivermectin, it reduced hospitalization. Uh, And then it reduced the amount of deaths. The two things they were saying in the media proved not to do. All you got to do is go look at the studies. You know, it was weird when it got to the snake venom stuff here. And I did a whole show on this Malaysian study because uh, Peter McCullough and others were actually doing talks. They were just hinting at this study that they didn't trust the study, didn't like the study. I was like, no, I'm going to show you everything in the study. So I did a whole show on this study because I needed people to know. Then I'd post it in the C-19 group so they could all see the lie that was ivermectin doesn't work. It does work. And y'all need to look at it. Uh, Imagine my shock that I would find articles in January of 2020 that actually would say the title of the media article was, no, snakes are not the source of the coronavirus pandemic. But in the article, if you read the article, it actually says snake venom is the source of SARS-CoV-2. And they'd have these professors talking about it. I'm like, do people not read articles? They just look at titles? Like, they don't read it? Like, it's so weird how manipulated people are by titles without actually reading the data. I just am a, I used to say I was a cool nerd growing up. I'm a cool nerd. Like I used to say, I'm a cool nerd because I would not go out to recess sometimes. And I wanted to go read in encyclopedias in the library. For some reason, I just love statistics and data. I loved it. It was usually surrounding animals. Like I love knowing where they live, what their species name was, what the scientific names were, what their habitat was. I just loved it all. I don't know why. It was just me. Wait. I used to say I was a cool nerd. I used to say, I'm just a cool nerd. Basketball and Encyclopedia Britannica. I've been reading this kind of stuff my whole life. It's just how I am. I can't help it. I love it. I don't like novels. I don't like stories to read. I like research stuff and statistics and data for some reason. And the fact that I'm a chiropractor, People just don't know my history. I mean, um, the only reason why I didn't go to med school, I'd already taken the MCAT. I was ready to go to the University of Utah's medical school. I actually gave my four-month-old an antibiotic that a medical doctor gave me who I was looking at as a mentor in my third year at BYU. He told me to give my kid this antibiotic for his colic, and his mother gave it to him and then went immediately to nursing him within five minutes My son went into a grand mal seizure and I called my mentor colleague at the BYU clinic on the phone and was like, my son's having a seizure. What do I do? And he's like, well, what did you do? And I said, we just gave him the drug you just prescribed us earlier today. And he's flailing all over the place. I didn't know grand mal at that time. I just knew it was a seizure, but he was going out of control and she was having a hard time controlling him. And do you know what the medical doctor said to me? You wanna know why it is I didn't become a medical doctor? It's probably terrible. You know what he said to me?
0: Terrible. I can imagine how terrible it might be.
1: He he literally yelled at me in the phone and said that drug would have never done that and called a seizure caused a seizure. It doesn't have that side effect. What did you do, Mr. Artist? Did you drop your baby or did you shake him? Wow. And I went just like this. Bam, he slammed the phone down. I was like, holy crap, he doesn't even care. And
0: and holy then kid, accusing God, you that in something that can, that can get your kids taken away.
1: Yes, it I, sucked. I hated it. I, he couldn't just go bring your kid in. I didn't know what to do as a new parent. I'm not a yeah. med student yet. I'm not even graduated yet. I've never been a parent before. I've got a four-month-old having a seizure. Who do you think I'm going to turn to for help? <laughs> and you totally abandoned me? So you I really think I give a crap what Pierre Corey's is saying right now. Really? You really think I give a crap what Richard Fleming is saying? (laughs) You really think I really care when you can look at his poster, he copyrighted last year that has Cobra toxin listed as an amino acid on SARS-CoV-2. It's on his copyrighted poster that he has sent scrubbed since I brought this out to light. You really think that I give a crap what y'all say? Uh Uh, I have had an issue with lying. Yes. Belligerent, egotistical, arrogant MDs my whole life. The humble ones in the last two years I have grown to love and admire. Number one, that thing would even go like this. We need Dr. Artis on the stage with us to defend us in a Capitol building. Let me just tell you as a DO, it doesn't matter, DO, MD, I don't care. I have to tell you how cool it is to sit with Peter McCullough in the Pennsylvania State Capitol building like five weeks ago. It's Steve Kirsch, an entrepreneur, tech guy, Peter McCullough, cardiologist and epidemiologist, Thomas Renz, an attorney, and me, the chiropractor. It's just us four.
0: It's an amazing team. I mean, and, and Thomas Renz, I have a little experience with him. And he he was able to get on Capitol Hill and blast the DMED and just, you know, like bring attention to something that needs attention brought to, which I'm actually going on later today. They're probably going to air it at different times, but with Matt Gates, And we're going to talk about some of those issues.
1: That's great. But it, I have to tell you, this is really, really where it's come to. And this is right. You have to understand this is only like four weeks ago, five weeks ago, we're in Pennsylvania sitting in the state capitol building, doing two events within, I mean, we did three speaking events in 12 hours, all four of us. When we're in the state capitol building, and it's really interesting to watch the senators uh, and the state reps and the people in the audience who are excited to meet Peter McCullough, excited to see me, want to take pictures of Thomas Rands, all this, right? That, that's, that's okay, but that's not why I'm there. But the senator at the end of our testimonies and the time we're given to give our testimonies, He looks at Peter McCullough. Now you have to understand there's four, there's five doctors there. One who just lost their rights punished in Pennsylvania for prescribing ivermectin. She's sitting right next to me, but there's the four of us that have this national and international presence. And we're sitting there. The Senator looks at the one and only MD in the room. Who's works in a hospital and goes, Peter McCullough, can you please tell us what we need to do as senators and state reps to actually, what can we do, Peter? What do we do to look and become how do we stop the hospital protocols and how do we stop what's happening to the medical profession and pharmacists like from practicing medicine without a license and restricting uh, prescriptions. Do you know how cool it was to sit there and look at Peter like this? It was Steve, Peter, Thomas Renz and me. Do you know how cool it was when Peter went like this? Uh, I think that's a better question for Dr. Artis. That's amazing. And all the senators and reps look at me and I was looking at him and I remember thinking to myself, You're the only one that even works in a hospital. (laughs) I don't work in a hospital. And if you haven't seen this testimony, people have shared my testimony all around the world because uh, I I, I literally said it. I said, look, here we go again. A retired chiropractor protecting the medical profession.
0: Yes, because the medical profession would destroy itself. I I mean,
1: I did. I just went. It was very powerful testimony. It was, would you please let these people get back to practicing medicine? The goal of practicing medicine, since when on the planet has there ever been a disease, a symptom that every human on the planet needed the same treatment for? It's never existed on the entire planet. So stop punishing these people for trying to do their job, which is to protect the innocent. And nobody, no one, this is what I said, nobody knows the patient's history more than the doctor who's been treating them for years. Stop telling them how to treat their patients. This is ridiculous. I hate that they are restricting these people's ability to practice with an open mind medicine. It is not one size drug treatment fits all, but that's what they're doing with COVID-19. It's only remdesivir. It's only six milligrams of dexamethasone. It's these five sedation drugs and a cocktail to put you on a vent and that's it? No, 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 that's, that's not how it is. That's not how it works. And you're punishing these people and taking away their license? Then I'm defending the medical doctor to my right? Uh, it doesn't matter. You're, you're mistreating people are trying to do the best they can in their institutions. And for me, it was this really like surreal moment. I was like, really? But you know what my brain said? It's probably safer, Dr. McCullough, if the retired chiropractor does it and you don't. Because as the medical doctor, <laughs> what's he going to say? He's already being sued by the hospital system he works in <laughs> for a million dollars for just slander. Wow. I mean, that's because they say he's associated with Baylor Scott and White, so Baylor Scott and White's like, oh, you cannot be talking about us in the media, blah blah, and so they're suing him for a million dollars. That lawsuit's still ongoing, and he's in court all the time trying to handle it. You know, these medical doctors, some of them are afraid that their state boards are coming after them and their licenses. It's
0: Trust happening. Me. It's happening to me right Dr. now. Dr.
1: Ryan Cole and find out just how horrible it's been emotionally on him. It's happening point. to me
0: right now. Texas is still trying to come after my license because DHA um, put in a complaint against my license for giving out medical exemptions and for prescribing ivermectin.
1: Do you know I have 10 allegations right now that the Texas Chiropractic Board is coming after me for And I'm like, well, like I care. I'm retired.
0: You don't like, have a license. And this that's...
1: is what I told him. That's what I, this is what I told him. I said, look, hey, attorney, I want you to tell them. This This is what they said. I said, I don't even know what they think they're going to threaten me with. And he goes, well... The tire, the Texas chiropractic board has this rule that says if they suspend your license, even if you're retired, they can take your license from you. And then they, they, they can put a gag order on you where you can't ever say you're a doctor. And I went like this, like, I give a crap what they do. <laughs> like like yeah. I care. I did not get outspoken because I wanted people to say it's Dr. Artists. They're murdering people.
0: Yes. Say that, more time, say like, that one more time. please. Say it one more time. You guys please. think
1: this is a threat to me. You think talking bad about me in the media is a threat. I'm not going to stages to talk to the doctors on the stage. I'm only talking to the innocent people in the audience. Like what is wrong with you people? I don't care about you. As long as you're with me, that we're trying to protect you like you people out there. That's really been my whole job. I don't want you feeling like I have the last two years. It sucks to have someone killed that you love when there's the opportunity that really exists, that there are things that work that can preserve your life. And this is no different. Uh, I just happened to stumble upon something that really bothered me, and I never saw. It was, if monoclonal antibodies work against against the venom of snakes, and that's the treatment for snake bites, is it possible? All I want to know is, was it ever mentioned in the media that snakes could have been the source of COVID-19, and maybe that's why monoclonal antibodies work? This is how my brain works. And, oh, my God, I could not believe what I unraveled one after another like every mysterious side effect or symptom of COVID-19 that people are like, I'm losing my hair. My loss of taste and smell is gone for years. Imagine my shock when these are all common signs or symptoms of envenomation of snake venom. Like, Oh my God, (laughs) I had no idea. The difference now you have to understand this is miraculous. Since I came out with this info, people have been writing me from around the world going finally, finally looking at it through this lens. I figured out this one thing I couldn't figure out for two years. I don't know if you've heard this. People are like, Dr. Artist, finally, you answered it for me. I've wondered why if SARS-CoV-2 is so deadly, how come children are unscathed? And adults are by far the most effective. They went online the night after the documentary dropped, and they were like, is there a difference physiologically with children than adults that is protective against snake venom? And all these research studies popped up that melatonin hormone is higher than in children, much higher than in adults. And And then they went like this. Does melatonin inhibit or block snake venom poisoning? And one research study after another, melatonin hormone blocks and inhibits the neurotoxic, blood toxic.
0: Which is interesting.
1: Cell toxic effects of venoms.
0: Because the FLCCC protocol has melatonin as part of the protocol.
1: Yes. And all I've said this whole time is, is you guys didn't even know what you were right about. You were right. And keep going. Anecdotally.
0: anecdotally I've seen a, a family everyone in the family got ill and the people that slept the most so like the youngest child who slept more than 12 hours and the mom who slept about nine to eight hours a day uh a night were the least ill compared to the dad who slept like five hours and the son who was getting up every two hours and so just anecdotally it's like okay yeah there's melatonin's helping
1: make observations like the people in France who actually when they found that the spike protein geneticist not the chiropractor geneticist printed this that there was two snake venoms most identical to the spike protein from Chinese crate and King Cobra venom. And they said in these two venoms attack nicotinic acetylcholine receptors, which suppresses smooth muscle contraction, which is your diaphragm and you can't breathe. (laughs) So it looks like COVID. And this is what they said anecdotally and observationally only. They said the fact that these two venoms attack nicotinic acetylcholine receptors. I wonder if this answers the question why less than 5% of COVID-19 patients worldwide in hospitals are smokers. Right. Because they all were shocked. They were like, we thought we would see 95% of people in hospitals were smokers. It's a respiratory a illness, respiratory allegedly. Respiratory deadly virus. Yeah. But that wasn't what they saw. So all they asked was, this is so weird to why? me. This gets so evil. They went like this. In their research, they published a request. We need governments around the world to do nicotine studies to see does it protect against COVID-19. Because there's this weird observation that less than 5% of hospitalized COVID-19 patients are smokers. They didn't say people should smoke. They just said we need to look at nicotine. You know what our country did? Fauci, Walensky, went in the media, even produced commercials going, and they flat out lied to everybody. There's no better time than now to quit smoking. Smokers are the highest risk for being hospitalized for COVID-19 and dying from COVID-19. They flat out lied to you. Wow, And it's been interesting to watch now for four months as I've been digging into this. And since, I've been getting texts from around the world every day. Dr. Artis, I've been living with long haulers COVID symptoms that I haven't been able to get over. Even medical doctors are writing me going, I cannot believe all I did was add nicotine and melatonin after watching Dr. Artis' Watch the Water documentary. MDs are texting me saying... For the first time in months, I can feel my diaphragm contracting and my oxygen's up to 96% in less than one day. And it hasn't been there for months. Wow. It's phenomenal.
0: What a, what a blessing. What a miracle that you can share this with us.
1: It is phenomenal. And, and, and somebody even asked me this morning, my wife, somebody texted her, her face mes- Facebook messenger and went, Isn't nicotine addictive? And she goes, She asked me, and I went like this Of course, nicotine's addictive. I didn't say use it every day. I said, Why don't you use it for 48 hours and see if it works? Like, Drugs in general should be used short term, like use them short term to help you get over your illness. When someone's sick with antibiotics, no one says you should live on it the rest of your life. They say treat the bacterial infection until it's over and then you get off. It's great. If you have symptoms of COVID and you have and they're lingering, you haven't got over it. I'm telling you, 100 percent of the people I've talked to in the last four months, if they ever wrote in and went, Doc, I'm really struggling. I'm using budesonide. I'm using zinc. I'm using hydroxychloroquine. I've done this every day. Just go down to the store, the corner store, go to the pharmacy and buy Nicorette patches or Nicorette gum. And then text me in 48 hours. And they would go like this. Ha ha. Yeah, right. Dr. And I'd go, you asked for my help. Go down there. And then they would go unbeknownst why I was telling them. I cannot tell you, doc. It wasn't even two days. I never had to wait two days. It was hours, like three hours, two hours. Some people were texting me 15 minutes later after chewing the gum that all of their breathing improved. And I was like, phenomenal. And all their symptoms were alleviated in less than 48 hours. All of them. It was interesting. It was just interesting to me. You know what else is interesting?
0: Yeah. Uh Oh, here we go.
1: (laughs) Amidst all of my theories and stuff I was uncovering, when people would walk up to me like, Marcus Allen did a couple weeks ago, you know, the Los Angeles Raider Hall of Famer. He walked up to me at an event in New Jersey and he went, You're the remdesivir guy. You're Dr. Artis. And I said, I am. He starts telling me how he used my videos to help get his 87 year old dad out of a hospital and save his life. Wow. He goes, My dad's only alive because of you. They called us when they admitted him. They said, He's in renal failure. He's positive for COVID 19. And Marcus Allen, called the doctor. He said, I was screaming. I was angry. I was like, you are not giving him remdesivir. It causes 30% of people to develop multiple organ failure, kidney failure. He was quoting everything I've said. And he goes, you personally saved my dad's life. Yes. And he was just thanking me. And I started crying. Yeah. And he, go- he goes, I just can't thank you enough. And he goes, you know, me and my family never got COVID. I'm not even joking. Anyone who has said this to me the last four and a half months, they would go like this. Now, I'm sure this isn't 100% of the time, and I'll tell you why. <laughs> but everyone that said, my whole family, we never got COVID. I'd go like this. Really? Congratulations. Do you live on a well? They do. Every single time they're on a well. We live like, on a well.
0: We lived on a well in Alaska. We live on a well in Arizona. And we went out to eat. And then like a, a day yes. later, and it's just like going to Mexico, right? Like you can go to Mexico. You can, you can drink a Coke just like you want. You don't put it in the glass, and you don't use ice. When we got right. a glass full of tea and it has ice in it and ice is made from the water and we were minimally ill. And I think we were minimally ill compared to other people because we had such a minimal dose.
1: Exactly right. Yep. And, lethal doses, baby.
0: And another example of that is my, my dad, he got it back in like July of 2020. So back before I knew anything, and I was, I was deep in, I, and I've learned a lot today. And I, I always held myself as someone who knew a lot about COVID and like all those articles you talked about, I didn't know much of that. My dad goes out to eat a lot with with work and stuff. My mom stays at home. She, they're on a well. My dad had COVID for like six days. My mom never got it. Dad didn't wear a mask because Max do not do anything anyways. And he didn't even like, I mean, he covered his cough, but like, you know, what is that going to do when little micron Shit. pieces are flying everywhere? If it is, in fact, a airborne aerosol virus, which it's not. And that always boggled my mind. How did my mom not get this allegedly? Really contagious virus if my dad is ill because it's not he got poisoned.
1: Yeah. So there's a lot of answers that this can provide, and uh and I just have to tell you it did, it's just shocking to me the more it goes. So I just want to show you one article because no one even knew, no one even knew to look at this. But to me, once you look at it, like in every aspect of COVID, you're like, oh my god, it's all venom, like. All of it. Like yeah. all of it.
0: Well the the smell and the <laughs> taste. That's the strangest symptom I ever thought. Like I've never heard of a virus doing that. I've heard of side effects of medications doing that.
1: Haven't you haven't you I mean I cannot tell you how many medical doctors I've had interviewing me the last two weeks. And that comes up, I'll look at them like this before COVID, what virus did you know would cause the loss of taste and smell? No they would go, none. And I'd go, you know, it's kind of weird like two years later that we've been talking about it every day for two years, that it's almost appearing normal. It was never normal. I still don't think ever. it's normal. Yeah.
0: And I stuck my normal. head in a bucket of coffee and couldn't smell it. That's how I had it for like 12 hours. I couldn't smell it. But I started ivermectin. I was doing the zinc. I was, you know.
1: Yeah. So the whole thing is I want people to understand is once you look at this, you'll start to recognize that the whole world even knows that we're right about the venom. We all are. You just don't know it. <laughs> but for example, this, this one article to me says it all. Like there is nothing else you even need to look at. And everyone around the world needs to treat all COVID-19 variants and injuries from the vaccines like it's venom. I mean, look at this article from the British Medical Journal's Global News last year. Okay, ready? Read the title.
0: It says, snake bites and COVID-19, Two Crises, One Research and Development Opportunity. Can you send me the link so I can put it in the show notes? <laughs> wow. Yes,
1: I can. So, notice it doesn't say that there's... Two crises going on in the world right now, and it's bat bites and COVID nineteen. It isn't bat nothing. It's snake bites and COVID nineteen. I mean, read the summary here in the fir- the first sentence in the summary box. Despite inherent differences, yeah, when you get bit by a snake, snake bite envenoming and COVID nineteen have much in common. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I
0: didn't know that. Did you
1: know they have much in common? They shouldn't like, have anything so in common. common. <laughs> They're so in common. But it actually, in terms of research and development challenges and therapeutic opportunities, is just one. You know what they? Do you know what they do with snake bites?
0: Same treatment for COVID. Anti
1: venom. Anti venom. Yeah. They use anti venom. COVID nineteen. Oh, anti venom. Yeah, obviously, it's pretty ridiculous. So anyway, yes, I'll share that link with you because it's pretty awesome.
0: Uh, I had a question. And pretty
1: ridiculous because no one's looking at it. People, I know People need to look at it.
0: So. If the water is poisoned, and let's say you don't live on a well, or you do live on a well, but you want to go out to eat, what can we do?
1: Yeah, so uh, there is actually some suggestion. Remember, some of this is observational, but go watch Mike Adams' interview. There's a guy he interviewed like two days after I dropped my interviews with him. Okay. That they found that chlorine dioxide, this guy was talking about how it actually completely inhibits and destroys all the toxic effects of cobra venom, even in water. Interesting. And I actually have suggested to people over the last couple of weeks that you should try chlorine dioxide. You should, if you want to, right. uh, I'm not promising you that it works. I haven't done any of those studies, but there's obviously people and, who are more experts than me.
0: And can I pause you for a second? Because chlorine dioxide, you know, a lot of people haven't heard of that. And um, I'm not going to say you should or should not because I'm a physician and I'd like to keep my license. And that right there should tell you a lot.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. That should tell you all you need to know. And so, so if the FDA
0: and if all these world governments come after you, if you suggest it, again, I am not suggesting that you look into it or do not, because I'd like to keep my license, even. Um, but that pretty much every time we see like a Politico article that says so and so, such and such debunked, yeah,
1: it's just unfortunate. It's, it's like, okay, well, that's probably true.
0: So so you take that as you will. Yep.
1: So I'm going to send you this link here. I'm just looking it up on here okay. for you. So, you can have it and share it. But anyway, no one, the thing is, once you start looking at it, the whole world's been telling you <laughs> yeah, it's it's venom and you need to look at it that way and just treat it that way. You guys have been winning already, docs. The doctors have already been winning. You just didn't even know what you were treating. And I have to tell you, after this dropped, I knew that I was going to be hated probably by most people, canceled by most people in, in different events, and I didn't care. I got in this for the audiences. And did it get around the world? Yeah, this has been a viral discussion. Probably nothing more fact-checked, censored in the last two years than what we just released over the last two weeks, which is fine. There's a reason why they don't want you to see it. But I want you to know that something miraculous happened the very next day after Watch the Water Dropped with stupiders. I was shocked. To say I was shocked is an understatement. I'm in interviews, and this doctor named Dr. Rashid Buttar, is blowing up my phone, and he is also a DO. And uh, this guy is calling me, calling me, but I'm in interviews all day long. And This is the next day after the Stu Peterson, and I'm like, Rashid, thank you. I will call you later. I've never had this guy's number. He got it from somebody else. He was desperate to get a hold of me. This is what happened. As soon as I get on the phone with him, I said, Doctor Bhattar, thanks for your patience. Sorry, I was in interviews. And he goes, No, no, no. You don't understand. God's working through you. And I was like thanks, Dr. Bhattar. <laughs> I've only shook his hand one time, you know, at an event somewhere. That's great. And I said, well, I said, well, I appreciate you thinking that. I believe God's working through me. And he goes, no, no, you don't understand. I couldn't watch your Stu Peters thing live last night when it dropped because I was already planning on filming a zoom call with several medical doctors and they were finalizing their new protocol medically for treating all future COVID-19 variants. He goes, when I say this is a God thing, I could not believe what I just watched, your Stu Peter's thing. He goes, I just want you to know, in the same hour that your Stu Peter's thing dropped last night, I was in a meeting for an hour with doctors finalizing our protocol, looking over all data, all information in relationship to blood tests with COVID-19 patients, what you should do medically to treat those things. And at the end of the hour, while your Stu Peter's thing is going around the world, we are sitting there writing up our protocol for this new booklet that we're going to educate doctors on with his upcoming conference at the end of May. He was calling me because he had this thing he did Monday night when it dropped Tuesday, he takes the time to watch the documentary when it ends. He said for an hour, my jaw was on the floor. I've got your documentary.
0: Yeah. He
1: goes, "My, my jaw's on the floor. And when it ends, my phone rings and it's a doctor who says they, for some reason, have to cancel being at his Academy of Medicine, whatever, at the end of May in San Antonio. And he's like, thank God I can get Dr. Artis. So he's calling around trying to get a hold of me to bring me into this conference, which I'm now going to be speaking at with Dr. Bartlett and others. But he said, no, you have to understand, you don't even know what happened on Monday night. When I say this is a God thing, we're sitting there with a group of medical doctors, us, and we are finalizing our protocol and we decide to give it a title and and we titled it this treat all COVID-19 variants as an acute rattlesnake bite."
0: Oh my goodness. He
1: said, but it wasn't until I watched your documentary that I actually realized that any of us realized it actually could be venom. And this is why it looks like that. He said, everything we were seeing in the blood test was this is what we see. When you see rattlesnake bites, this is what we're going to treat to treat rattlesnake bites. Let's just do this with COVID. So they, they, he goes, I just want you to know God gave us that name and recognizing that it looks just like rattlesnake bites. Remember, this is a medical doctor, not me. He says his jaw hit the floor.
0: That is when I brought to
1: them an awareness that it's all a virus, a a venom. And look, look at the title of this article, it's right there. It's in your face. This is British Medical Journal. It is snake bites. It is venom. They're using venom. They're weaponizing venom peptides. Not even the whole peptides. They just figure out the small genetic sequences that causes all the respiratory failure, blood clotting in a, in a person who gets these snake bites. They have figured out how to weaponize these.
0: Well, all they have and- to do is get you in the hospital and then they'll kill you.
1: And then they'll kill you. Because they'll submit you and kill
0: you. I'm going to air your episode, and then I've done another on location recording with a with a man here that lives nearby me. His name is Dean, and it, back in October, this past October, t- 21, Dean went to the hospital for COVID, and I encourage you to listen to it. But they were actively trying to kill him. They had him on scheduled narcotics, with waking him up to give him narcotics. You know, you're clearly not in pain if they're waking you up. They doubled his blood pressure medication when they thought he had an infection, which when you're in sepsis, usually blood pressure is too low. They had him in a private room and they were going to intubate him in a private room.
1: If you haven't talked to Judy Mikovits, this is what they were doing to her husband. I mean, they just killed her husband uh, in the hospital a few months ago. And, and, and you know what else is amazing? Judy Mikovits, Miss Viral Specialist, been put on gag orders, arrested, defamed. By Anthony Fauci and others right. in NIH. It's
0: the same, same place. Judy
1: Mike was the first doctor the very next morning to text me on my phone twice. I cannot wait, Dr. Artis, to get up on stage with you the next time I see you and put up slides to back up your venom viral connection. Wow. <laughs> I was canceled from this event this last weekend in Florida that she was speaking at. And she goes, after I get done with them on stage, they're probably going to call you to have you come back because I'm going to rip into them. <laughs> I was and, like, "Go get him, Judy." Yeah,
0: and for everyone, Judy Mikeovitz, she's she's OG, she's original gangster from like the HIV days, and and uh, all of this has Judy happened Judy. before during HIV with the same players with Fauci,
1: same players. Yep, yeah. Anthony Fauci said, "There's this thing called HIV virus that when you get the virus causes another disease called AIDS." This time he said, "There's this virus called SARS-CoV-2 that causes a disease called COVID-19," and. And then there's a treatment that you need to save your life, remdesivir. Remdesivir causes all the side effects of the deaths of COVID-19 patients. Just like in the AIDS period, he said there's one drug called AZT that we need all AIDS patients to take to try to preserve their lives. When in fact, AZT has every known side effect and symptom that is called AIDS and descriptive of AIDS. That drug does it. He actually killed 11 million people with AZT and called it AIDS and got away with it. It, This is what you call a serial killer, man. We watch like TV shows where they profile. He's done it before. He's doing it again. And he's using the vaccines. He's using remdesivir.
0: And he truly is a total.
1: I don't know how many times he's done it, but it's the second time, third time.
0: He truly is a totalitarian because, I mean, he's like, oh, well, we'll have to cancel Christmas. I mean, not verbatim, but that's basically what he's saying. Easter rolls around. Well, you know, you might not want to go see your family for Easter.
1: Right. Yep. So anyway, I just want you to know that uh, the things uh, I actually would recommend anything you're, you're being told there's a deadly pathogen out there. Really, why wouldn't you try everything to try to preserve your life? Try the nicotine that researchers in French in France said this is anecdotally observationally maybe this is why it's protective. What I have observed is phenomenal. What MDs are t- is phenomenal. Based I brought this to light, melatonin making dramatic effects and explaining why it is they're seeing that to be so beneficial. Uh, And then of course, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, chlor, uh, uh, chloroquine, zinc, NAC, C, uh, everything I just mentioned has research studies backing it that prove it's inhibitory. Uh, I'm not even going to say the virus, but to venoms and they say COVID-19 and snake bites have very much in common with the same treatment development research opportunity.
0: And there's one thing if you
1: really want to know. What the end game is. People want to know what the end game is. I have to tell you, a medical doctor named Deb called me the other day from Florida. Sorry, Deb, and then you froze. Where I was supposed to be speaking.
0: So you said Deb, and and then you froze. There's a lady named
1: Deb, Deb Viglione out of Florida, who's a speaker at this rally going through seven cities right now in Florida. And she's mad that they kicked me out. Like, totally mad that they kicked me out. Um, Because some MDs were threatening to back out if they're associated with me. She said at night, her and other doctors are just researching all the snake venom stuff that I'm talking about. She called me the other day and she goes, Dr. Artis, do you know what phospho A2 is? And I said, yes, it's the biomarker they're looking for that is direct to death from COVID-19, they say. And she goes, no, 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 but did you know that it's also in rattlesnake venom? And I said, do you know that it was ever isolated the first time in King Cobra venom? And she goes, yes, I've learned this stuff. She goes, do you know that there's a drug called Veraspolipid or whatever it's called? It starts with a V. It's very hard to spell. And I said, yes, I know about that drug. She spelled it out for me. on the phone. I said, of course I know about that drug. I said, Deb, if I didn't even know about that drug, I'd have never brought this out. I said, you have to go look at its manufacturer. It is Ophirix, O P H I R E X. And she goes, oh, my God, I just saw that name. And I said, you have to go look at the company Ophirix if you want to know. What the elitist's plan are with COVID-19, you've got to go look at this one company called Ophirix. I said they're creating an anti-venom oral pill. And right now, they are investing $100 million, the Wellcome Trust Fund, defense, the Department of Defense, and the World Organization. They want this company to create an oral anti-venom pill. And they're in their third phase of clinical trials right now. And guess what they're treating with it? They're treating acute respiratory distress syndrome. The research study is called STAIRS, S-T-A-I-R-S. And you want to know, they're finding amazing success using this anti-venom oral drug to stop COVID. Hmm. And remember, what did they say? Right. Snake bites and COVID-19. They are literally envenomating the entire world using shots, either in our water or in the air. I don't care where they're using the venom. They've right. figured out how to weaponize it. And they're coming up with venom antidote to address envenomating the whole world. Uh, and that's what they're doing. You have to watch Ophirix. And then- she had no idea. She's like, please just like two nights ago, please send me the address of their company. And I was like, here's how it's spelled, ophirix.com. Go look at it. Look who's funding it. Look how much money they're wearing it. Yeah, it's pretty pretty disgusting, actually.
0: And symbols are very important. And Ophirix, you, you had mentioned they had the snake with the staff, which some people have said that mine is a snake of staff. We'll talk about it in just a second. But they also have the Ouroboros, the snake eating itself, around the O. And in in the spiritual realm, if you know you're fighting the unseen realm, which we are, those symbols mean something. And if you know, some people have, I've had them say, "Oh, well, Sigloff, don't you know that's an evil symbol having a snake on a staff?" It's not go, go read your Bible. And God, when he plagued the Israelites with snakes, he told Moses to put a snake on a staff. And anybody that looked at that bronze snake on the staff and looked looked at it and believed in God would be healed of their snake bite. And that's, that is the difference. And, and that's, that's the osteopathic symbol is that snake.
1: Symbolism is huge in this movement, in this COVID-19 pandemic, by the way, it's ginormous. Yep. Uh, But yeah, you're right. That's exactly what uh, was in the scriptures Moses used, was told to uh, take this brass serpent on a staff. And anybody who would just look at it, uh, who had faith in God, could just look upon that staff and actually be healed. Well, there are benefits they have figured out from isolating components of venom. For example, there's a high blood pressure drug called lisinopril that has, hydroxychlor- has hydrochlorothiazide, and a diuretic in combination with the drug patented by Merck. You probably know the name Capitril or something like that. Uh, it's actually derived from snake venom. And they have figured out that it's an ACE inhibitor that helps to lower blood pressure derived from There's 11 million people in America right now every day swallowing snake venom to lower their blood pressure. Positive benefits that they've been able to isolate in nature from snake venom. No, I'm just going to let people know that therapeutically and pharmaceutically, they've been isolating uh, components of snake venom for years. Like the company Merck, they have a blood pressure drug that lowers your blood pressure by being an ACE inhibitor Uh, that's derived from snake venom. So there's 11 million Americans around the country following everyday snake venom derivatives to lower your blood pressure, but there's, you can weaponize the same thing. It's like antibiotics, right? Very beneficial short term for bacterial infections, but now they've, They've really bastardized the use of antibiotics and they've created a havoc of problems around the world with those things. So they're not always needed, always useful, nor are venoms. So uh, I would just say to everyone medically, uh, the goal was not to create fear and panic to worry about water. It's to actually help you solve the mysteries of why this has been so mysterious, so unnerving. And just to try to drive some of that fear and anxiety and panic, they're trying to create and make you recognize. They're using sublethal doses of venoms. And you can address that medically and trust the doctors that have still been working on it. And then add a couple things you probably haven't thought of nicotine and melatonin and just watch what happens. And if you see the benefits, you help save lives. What are you getting upset about? Go do it. It's, it's miraculous. And that's been the intent all along by any of us. My original goal was just to keep you from dying in hospitals. It has been nonstop to make sense of the vaccines and why we're pushing these so hard. Why it is so many people are dying. Why so many people are having horrific side effects of these shots. Why the DMED data with Thomas Renz. Thomas Renz and I were on the phone the other day with Donald Trump's attorney, one of them, named Peter Tickton, for two hours. And Thomas Renz is begging him. He's going to have dinner with Donald Trump the next day. And he's like, will you please get Donald Trump to have a private meeting with Thomas Renz, Dr. Brian Artis, and Peter McCullough. Yeah, we've had five people that have been in Donald Trump's home the last four months who have asked him to meet with me and he won't do it.
0: And and Thomas Renz a while back. I sent him a little video. um, And if if President Trump ever sees this, which you probably won't, if if you could ask for that video from me, from Lieutenant Colonel Long and from Lieutenant Colonel Peter Chambers, uh, we all made a small video to kind of tell you what's going on because it's that important.
1: Yeah, and we just need him to see if if people believe he's getting bad advice like they think they are. I mean, I told Peter Tickton, I said, I don't trust him, but if he'll meet with me and change my mind, that'll be great. (laughs) I voted for him twice. I'd like to vote for him again, but he needs to stop talking about these vaccines in a positive light. There's nothing positive about it. So uh, he got the DMED data from Thomas Renz, which was super exciting, and he took it to Donald Trump. So hopefully it helps. I don't know, but Peter Tickton was shocked (laughs) by the DMED data.
0: When I stumbled across that in was it January I was I my I literally picked my jaw off the floor when Colonel Long called me and said Sam is this right am I doing this correct is this what it really looks like holy crap they're killing us
1: Teresa Long it, has done a great job they of are the slaughtering
0: killing. us as yes, soldiers
1: they are it's horrific
0: and nobody cares
1: nope no it's been horrific to watch so yeah the job for us is just to protect your lives if I scare the crap out of you to look at vaccines, because I think there's venom in there, which if you haven't seen the Dr. Jane Ruby interview we did a couple days ago with the, my, the medical doctor out of South Africa, she's looking at venom under the microscope in all of her vaccinated patients for the last year and a half and had no idea that's what she was looking at. Go look at it. It's pretty, wow. pretty insane. It's exactly. She went online after watching my, my videos and went, what does snake venom look like under a microscope in a patient's blood? And it looks like these little green crystal straws with broken, fragmented ends. Mm-hmm. And it was everything she has seen the last two years or year and a half, but had no idea and was asking people around the world, what is this stuff? And some people were going, it looks like nanotechnology or blah, blah, blah. No, it's snake venom. That's what it looks like. Wow. And then she took her own blood and went like this. She looked online because she's seen a bunch of uh, red blood cells in her patients Not after really. the mRNA shots where the red blood cells shrink. And then they spike with all these thorns on the outside of it. She didn't know what that was either. So after my video, she went online and typed in these words. What does snake venom do to red blood cells under a microscope? And it was everything she's seen for the last year and a half. So she took her own blood since watching this last week. She took her own blood, put it on a slide. You see normal red blood cells, a white blood cell. And she's filming it, video and taking pictures. And then she took one drop of the Pfizer vaccine on it. It dropped it in her blood, filmed it. And all the red blood cells went like this, whoosh, and then splintered and spiked, just like she'd seen in all of her mRNA vaccinated patients. Can you, it's behaving identical.
0: Can you send me a link to, to snake that venom? So I can put that It in either mind.
1: is snake venom or it's behaving just like it. Either way, no one should be injecting that into their body whatsoever.
0: Right. No one. No children, no adults, nobody. It shouldn't even be allowed on the market because it is so dangerous.
1: Hey, doc, they just said yesterday, I just saw a Medscape article that the first of june they're going to start injecting the 6 month old kids in america
0: like, don't let your what? child get it do not let your child get it there is nothing that is ever worth this we don't it, no no human on the face of the earth no animal should ever have this put them in them because it is so dangerous
1: that oh. no, is ridiculous it's smoking all- at least scary, c- that, cigarettes huh?
0: come with a warning label this doesn't
1: Yeah, and I'm not telling anybody to smoke. No, no, I do not think smoking anybody should do, but it is funny. People around the world, Doc, have been writing (laughs) me going, Oh my God, it finally makes sense why my parents, who one's a smoker, chain smoker, the other one isn't, why it is the chain smoker never got COVID, but my healthy mom had it several times and was super sick. Yes, there is this observational protective thing about nicotine. Hmm. I don't know what it is. I'm not a nicotine specialist, but it, works for some reason right so try it and if it's stupid and it works
0: then it's not stupid
1: it's not uh, it's not dumb (laughs) and it's not remdesivir right like ryan cole says run death is near it's not (laughs) anything better than that avoid it
0: well doc i i want to be respectful of your time and i i am truly grateful that you were able to come on with us today is there any last few words you want to leave us with
1: yes i love you and uh i wouldn't have done this if i didn't and I'm talking to everybody around the world. I'm not just talking to you. Yeah. Remember, I, I never got into this for the MDs. I was in my house by myself, just going on one interview after another, talking about remdesivir and what I knew. I had no idea Dr. Ranier Fulmick, four months later, was going to reach out to my wife and go, we need to depose him for our Nuremberg 2.0 trials. Uh, okay, <laughs> fine. And then we did that. And now I've been a part of the grand jury. I'm now signed on. This is weird. I didn't do this on purpose. I'm one of only four doctors signed on lawsuit documents against the Prime Minister of England, Boris Johnson. It's me, Dr. Richard Urso, Pierre Corey, and Dr. McCullough. And we sued him for crimes against nursing home victims that they called end-of-life care in the UK. And I'm signed on as an expert witness along with these three other MDs. Uh, As a result of that, Uh, it's just been an incredible opportunity. And that lawsuit hit his desk two days before he dropped all the mandates in the UK. Whether or not it had an impact, great. But the day after that is an international criminal court charge that I'm also signed on, hit his desk the day before he came out and dropped all the mandates. And since then, 11 countries have dropped all of theirs with COVID-19. It's phenomenal. I didn't expect to do this. I was just pissed that they were killing people and lying to you. Uh, They're even lying more than I realized it's yes. even more evil and nefarious than I realized. And, and whether or not you just look at the vaccines as if there's venom, maybe in there, uh, there actually might be venom in there. I'm convinced it's actually in there.
0: I'm and convinced there disease, may be CRISPR technology on the
1: planet should ever get that injected into. Them.
0: I'm convinced there may be CRISPR technology in there, which means it can edit yeah. your genes.
1: You should look at the research of the two people who created these shots, Drew Wiseman and Katalin Currico. Do you know what they used to do gene editing therapy since 2009, funded by Anthony Fauci?
0: crispr Do you know what
1: they use to cleave RNA and DNA to insert mRNA? Do you know what they use?
0: Was it CRISPR-Casen?
1: Snake venom phosphodiesterase. Oh my
0: goodness. <laughs> there it is.
1: Go, go look at the studies I went through with Mike Adams. The whole third chapter is me going through my discovery of what's in these shots. And remember, Dr. Charles Hoff observed that out of British Columbia, that his mRNA vaccinated patients had this weird elevated D-dimer and 60% of all those who got the shots, which means there's micro blood clotting going on everywhere in their body. Remember, that was after the shots. Imagine my shock when I was the retired chiropractor and I was like, I've never heard of a D-dimer. What do medical doctors, what are they trained to look for if they see elevated D-dimers or lab technicians? Do you know cardiologists I've talked to since Charles Hoff brought this information into the world? They didn't even know what a D-dimer test was and had to go look it up because they forgot. (laughs) I mean, this is is not a normal test you you, do perform every day. This guy just felt impressed to do it. I think God told him to do it. Imagine my shock when I typed online, (laughs) how are elevated D-dimers interpreted?
0: answer yeah it's
1: just last month look at the answer there's only five bullet points look at the Let's fifth see. one
0: the last one is snake venom poisoning
1: and then you all i did was go like this oh no are they injecting people with snake venom i'm gonna go see if drew weissman who created these shots along with Cataline carrico at the university of pennsylvania all i did was this drew weissman on my online search drew weissman and kataline carrico and snake venom research Oh, my God. They've been paid by Anthony Fauci since 2009. I have the studies. I go through all of them. The method is to take snake venom phosphodiesterase to cleave RNA and insert mRNA. They're being funded to do by the NIH, NIAID department, which is Anthony Fauci's. They're solely funded to do one thing, mRNA gene editing therapy. And they use snake venom to do it? Uh, That's crazy to me. And, yes, I would look at that in fact. You want to talk about CRISPR technology? You should go look at the toxins inside of snake venoms. That's called CRISPS, C-R-I-S-P.
0: Is that where they, that's where they got it?
1: That's where they're getting it. Go look at the company, Gene and Tech. They published their funding. I'm not kidding. They're using snake venom toxins and they're calling it CRISPR. It's weird. You know, CRISPR, the R, I promise you that R comes from a company called Roche. Roche. And Roche, Roche. Owns a company called Genentech, so does Gilead. And Roche, Hmm. Roche was the first company awarded in in America the emergency authorization to use their test kits to identify COVID-2 positive Americans. And do you know what their test kits are called? Their trademarked name, COBAS, C-O-B-A-S. Just take the R of Roche and put it in the middle of that word. It's COBRAs. They are actually using test kits they've used in research studies for years with Gene and Tech, a company they own that does solely snake venom research to make drugs. Roche is using, I'm not, I'm not kidding, the PCR tests are looking for venoms. PCR tests for 20 plus years have been used to identify snake venom and venom research. This is why it's working for COVID. You're finding venom peptides with PCR tests. They don't look for viruses. They never have. I'm telling you, the whole thing can be solved. <laughs> <laughs> Why you're forced to do all, everything you're doing in relation to COVID, it, it, it is all answered with venoms. And then in the research in 2009 with the two people that made these, I'm like, oh my God, they use snake venom to do gene editing therapy because venom has this component called phosphodiesterase that cleaves RNA and DNA to get mRNA inside of it. Cleave means to cut or to splice. As I'm reading the methodology for the study, what they're setting up to do this mRNA gene therapy, it says we wrap the mRNA with nail Hydrogel and they added DynaBeads. Then they added DynaBeads and I was like, what in the world's DynaBeads? So I just highlighted it and then that we went to up. search. DynaBeads is made by a company called Thermo Fisher Scientific. i would never even heard of this company until the last few months. And, I, and, and to my shock, I'm reading the catalog on DynaBeads. They're microscopic little spherical balls that people around the world I've already seen have been reporting. They're finding in vaccinated blood samples, but they don't know what they are. They're these little metal balls and they're called super magnets and they're all polarized the same so that when you, and they wrap it around biological material. So when they inject it inside of you, the polarity of the magnets literally repels each other and it sends all the biological material all over your body. But then do you know what it did immediately to me? I was like, oh my God, this even answers that weird magnetism people are complaining about. They were taking metals and they were all magnetized. It was going all over their body. Yes, because the people who made Put them have been them. using snake venom and magnets to do gene therapy. Oh, part, gene of the reason, therapy.
0: part of the reason I was suspended was for using the term gene therapy. Because Look so-
1: at the studies. That's what they were funded to do. It says mRNA gene editing therapy. And these are the guys that made the shots. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then imagine my shock doc. Can I just touch on one more thing and then I'll go because I've got another interview. Yeah. I, I did this with Mike Adams. I said, look, notice that since 2009, they've been using this snake venom component, the two people that make the mRNA shots to cleave RNA and DNA. It's called snake venom phosphodiesterase. And I said, Mike Adams, I went online to see if I could buy it. There's a company called Innovative Research. Okay. They sell it bottle for $133 and I said, Mike, I'm going to put it on the screen, Mike Adams, and I want you to read the description to the person buying it. It says for anyone purchasing snake venom phosphodiesterase, which cuts DNA to do gene therapy, <laughs> gene editing therapy, it says you cannot mix this product found in snake venom. You can't mix it with glutathione, cysteine products like n cysteine." You can't mix it with ascorbic acid and you can't mix it with this form of EDTA. It says any of these four completely inhibit its mechanism of action. Interesting. And and Mike Adams was like, Oh my God. I said, so if these MRNA shots, if they have snake minimum phosphodiesterase that the people who have been using it to do MRNA gene editing therapy, I think everybody should get on. If they're having any long-term side effects, they should probably get on glutathione. NAC, vitamin C, and let's just see if it can destroy this natural substance used in gene therapy. And this is probably why they're restricting it all along. I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is too, unfortunately. So remember, elevated D-dimers, it only gives one reason or one cause on this whole list. The other things are descriptive. Like for example, if you see the elevated D-dimer, the first bullet point says, you should do an evaluation for thrombus formation. It, that's a blood clot. They don't say...
0: Right. d dimers looking for blood it? clot. Yeah, it doesn't they cause just said,
1: it. Go looking. Just go look for one. And then the second one says you can use D-dimers to rule out deep vein thrombosis. Which is co-create. a clot. So that's, They're that's already That's just caught duplicating it. the first bullet point. The third one is monitor for anticoagulative treatment. And I'm like, okay, great. So you're just observing stuff. And then DIC, disseminated intravascular coagulation. You're just finding coagulation. There's only one thing on here they list that can cause mm. it. Right. Snake venom poisoning.
0: And actually, the lipid nanoparticles that are in these shots can cause DIC also. Yes. So, I mean, it's so just you get hit venom. from everything.
1: <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it's just been a very, uh, you just need to look at it and uh, treat it like snake venom. Remember, British Medical Journal says snake venom, snake bites, and COVID-19 have the same development and therapeutic opportunity. They do. Treat it like snake bites and you win. You don't have to worry anymore. Just treat it like a snake bite. The medical the medical establishment already knows it. Y'all just didn't see it. It was right in your face. I know, you just didn't know it. And I very appreciate it. Why did you look at bats? It? It's from a bat coronavirus. No, it isn't. It's, it's not. It never has. It doesn't even make sense. Notice they didn't say it's bat bites in COVID-19.
0: <laughs> no.
1: It, it, it never was. It's pretty, it's pretty ironic and funny now that you see it. But and the hard part is is people I know this doc. It is human nature that people will push back if they're ever found out possibly that their ideas that they've been defending and preaching could possibly be wrong and they don't want to admit it, that, that they might be wrong. And that's a hard thing for people. And I have no problem saying I'm wrong or that I might be wrong. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: You, you think I'm wrong about the water? Good. Go prove it. Like yeah. if, if you really are so convinced, go do it. It's the only well, thing that makes sense to me that they can target certain communities. I've well, since learned that it's absolutely, it could be.
0: That's what Thomas Jefferson had told us. Question everything with boldness, with reason firmly seated in her seat. For if there is a God, he would prefer honest questioning than blind faith. I love
1: it. You're great, Doc. Thanks for having me on. And God, yeah. God bless everybody. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, thank you for joining me on this episode. Kind of went down a crazy rabbit hole, maybe. Maybe not. Maybe some of this makes sense to you. Maybe some of it doesn't. But remember, just because one small portion of this theory, or this idea, if it's wrong, doesn't mean the entire idea is wrong. Look for that negative truth in there. I want to give you a little preview of next week's episode. Next week I'm going to be interviewing a man who survived, I would say attempted murder. The medical care he received, it's hard to describe it any other way than attempted murder. And they gave him medications and treatment and isolated him and made him feel as if they were trying to kill him, made him feel that he needed to hide his phone so that it wouldn't be confiscated. But let me leave you with some good news. So two men that are friends of mine, Captain Ritter at Fort Benning and First Lieutenant Mark Bashaw at Aberdeen Proving Grounds. I've asked you to pray for both of these men. And the Lord has provided them with good answers, with good outcomes. These two men are pillars of strength and courage. If you need an example of courage, look to these men. Together, let's all make courage more contagious than fear.